Ben Harbor, Michigan is a unique place on the lake that is home to less than 10,000 people with the hearts of 1 million. From the outside looking in, there's a strong emphasis on place, the location on the lake and easy access to I-94. But this series focuses on the people and their view of leadership, influence and power and how it impacts the 49022. So today we're going to be speaking with Pastor Jaime and listening to many stories that he has collected from people of the 49022. We welcome you, Pastor Jaime. We're so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So the Please Do Tell podcast, of course, is all about storytelling, but this special series is about the people of Ben Harbor. So you were able to interview quite a few people, and we want to highlight those stories today. And, but we want to start with your own. So Pastor Jaime, tell us about your connection to Ben Harbor and even how you got here. Sure. So um, first, uh, so I am a pastor here in Ben Harbor. And uh, to be a little bit more precise, out at Benton Heights, I'm a pastor of the First Church of God there. Um, I am not a Michigan native, so I was born and raised in Southern California. Uh, my wife and I uh, were brought up in Compton, California, uh, went to high school together. I spent the last seven years, or I spent seven years uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then came here to Benton Harbor about a year and a half ago. So I'm relatively new to the area. For people that are not from this area, they don't really know the breakdown of like the surrounding cities or what it even is. Sometimes it's a culture shock. So what was that like for you coming into Ben Harbor? Like what was your first, I guess? Um, like my impression? Yeah, your first impression of, of, ben, of the area, especially Ben Harbor. Sure. So, so I grew up in a in a in a very demographically diverse um, area. I think Compton, when I when we were growing up there in LA, it's it was predominantly black and Latino. So there was a lot of people of color uh, coming here, and and it was a little bit different. It was a lot more it was a lot more crowded, um, but but the demographic makeup was very similar. Now, what was very different, what was shocking to me, is I have never seen such a drastic difference between two cities. It really is a tale of two cities here in, in Southwest Michigan. And I'm talking about St. Joseph versus Benton Harbor. Now, let me, in, in Los Angeles, it's a little bit different because what happens is you will be in a neighborhood, let's say you're in a bad, quote unquote, bad neighborhood. The next city over is a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. It's kind of this gradation. Mm -hmm. It's a, a gradual change. And then as you go on, you go on, you know, 18 miles away is a good neighborhood, but there's this gradual change. That's not what I saw when I first came here. Mm -hmm. I saw a, such a drastic difference. Just you cross over a bridge and it's another world. It's, it's like a, a complete, it's like you change the channel on a television set. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was so in your face and that was new to me. I had never seen anything like that. Um, so I, yeah, I was taken aback a little bit, definitely. So my question to you is even when we, um, because for people that don't know, you are one of the researchers and you were able to collect these stories of people within Ben Harbor pertaining to leadership, influence, and power. So how did you even become a part of the project or why did you even say yes? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so automatically as a pastor of the church, I, I came into leadership in an official capacity. Um, and so for me, it was very important. Number one, from the, from the day I, I uh, started my, my job here, it was to, to build relationships. I knew this was going to be critical. I knew that relationships were going to then lead to trust and trust was going to help me be a more effective leader in this community. Um, but I know that that's earned and it takes time and it takes investment and you've got to cultivate those relationships. So I thought, and, and I've, from day one, I think um, Lakeland has been, is, is already a partner. We partner in a lot of different ways. 
um, with the church and with, with our 401 uh, or our 401, 501c3 arm of the church. So, so there's been relationship there. I know a lot of the people uh, in the community. And so when this project, when this research project came up, I thought it was just a, a great opportunity, number one, for me to gather some, uh, gather some data and to learn some things and also to continue that relationship building. It just felt like a, such a natural fit and uh, like a win-win, win-win situation for me. So my question, uh, my next question is all of the people that you interviewed, are they from Ben Heights? Because we need to talk a little bit about Ben Heights too. Yes, they, they are. Uh, the, the interviews that I did were people from Benton Heights in part because that's, that's the neighborhood where I'm, where I'm uh, most invested in. Um, and that's the neighborhood where I built the most relationships. Uh, so for me, that was kind of my pool of, of, uh, of interviews. That's where it was centered in. So people that aren't familiar with Ben Heights, um, that just hear about Ben Harbor, Ben Heights is this um, really small community where it's really like Ben Harbor is already viewed as everyone knows everyone, but Ben Heights is really like everyone knows everyone and it's really the village. It's, I mean, it's the village. Yes. And it's about, <laughs> Great way to put it. <laughs> it's about four miles away from the city of Ben Harbor, for some people, they would say, oh, it's too far out, or it's just, I'm not coming all the way out there. But it's a special group of people that I feel like a lot of times their stories are not heard. So that's why I'm so excited that you were able to partner with this and bring their stories to life. So let's start with one of your interviews. So we talked I guess the, the, I asked you before, what did you see like the common thread with all of your interviews? And you were saying that it was a big emphasis on leadership. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So there were, there were a couple of common threads. Um, one of them was this idea of leadership uh, being not necessarily placed on an individual, but an entity um, of leadership being this, this thing that, that can be, uh, be placed on a group and not just an individual. And so um, over and over in all of my interviews, uh, the same, they, all my, every person brought up something called the community, the CDC or the Community Development Council which is a small group out in Benton Heights that is uh, a group of the community, of members that live in Benton Heights. And they kind of wield a lot of influence and they wield leadership in that community. And so they talked extensively about this small, this small group. The other thing, the other big emphasis was leadership is being relational. Um, they, they put such a huge emphasis on relationship and communication and and they talked in time, time as a major component. So there's got to be this investment. Uh, and so those were some of the themes that that mostly resonated uh, with, I, I think, with me and that I heard consistently from each of the people that I interviewed. So one of your interviews, um, you asked, particularly Carrie, what does leadership look like? And I thought that, you know, she had quite a few answers to that, but I feel like we should let the people listen to Carrie actually answering that question um, because it kind of gives us a sneak peek into what we're going to be listening to with the other interviews as well. Sure. So, so let's listen. What does leadership look like? Um, so I would consider leadership, um, I guess, taking uh, ownership of, you know, a situation, um, helping to mentor someone um, that's in need, um, providing, you know, like counseling, um, you know, listening, uh, having conversations, building relationships, um, with people. Tell me a little bit more about the conversations. Um, being able to 
I guess, listen to someone who is maybe having, you know, um, a need or um, has a situation that, you know, they need help with um, and seeing how you might be able to help resolve that situation for them or, um, you know, being someone that they could come to. And, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of talking it out with someone. So being open to having those conversations. So communication sounds like it's, so you're putting an emphasis on communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And relationships. Yeah. That's big. So um, in that piece, we hear her again, she's talking about mentorship, things like uh, um, listening and having conversations and, and all these, and all these different things. I think the common thread is time. There's an investment there. Mm. Mm. That is really the foundation, I feel like, of any relationship that you're trying to build is putting in that time. And for most of the people that you interview, how long do you, do you even know how long they've been in Benton Heights? It's, it seems like even for a couple of people that I know, they're basically lifers. They've been there for a long time. Listen, I, that really surprised me. Yeah, I found the same thing in, in Carrie's uh case she has lived in heights since 2001 mm. so we're talking we're talking two decades i mean she she's invested she's 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 been there for a while i think she has a pretty good grasp on on uh on the heartbeat i i would say of the community there um yeah every person that i interviewed has been there for a very long time so i i agree i think that's you're spot on because again, we talked about uh, this village and um, even my personal connection to Ben Heights and just how I've seen it change and with the airport and everything. And, you know, my mom's still uh, residing in that same area in the same house that I grew up in. So I feel like that's more of a community than what I've seen in other places. It's really the village or they're passing down those village values, I think from one neighbor to the next. And, and I think there's value in that. Look, I grew up, I, I, I grew up in Los Angeles, big city people, people move all the time. You know, if I go two blocks down the street and put gas in my car, I don't, I won't, I don't know anybody. It's, it's, there's just so many people, but you're right. That village kind of atmosphere, um, makes it so everyone knows everyone. Um, yeah. While that there might be some downsides to that, um, <laughs> I, think, I think there's great value in that because uh, that investment of time and relationships is there. It's really important, especially when you're, when you're trying to, to make, you know, enact change or, or get anything done in that community. The fact that the, this, someone like Carrie um, has those existing relationships is vital for any individual or entity that wants to come in and and do something um that people like her are just critical they're they're going to be a critical piece of it if you want to do anything effectively i think absolutely so the next part of the story that we want to listen to we're gonna um i know dawn she gave an example of leadership um uh, she actually has a great story that she provides. It's, um, she says that it's sometimes it's spontaneous or sometimes you improvise. But I know Don personally because we've worked on different projects together. So we've partnered with stuff and it's just she is passionate about Ben Heights. You can't say nothing bad about Ben Heights yes. to Dawn. <laughs> nothing. She and, uh, No. And again, she's she's been there a long time she's very invested um she's been yeah who hasn't had some intersection with her right she's she's very much invested in that community and she did she gave a great example uh she talked about leadership not always being this planned um i mean we'd like to plan it we'd like to be you know you'd like it to be uh, structured and well laid out but she she also talked about it in a different light as sometimes leadership is just spontaneous and sometimes you have to improvise. So, so we did a tire cleanup uh, last year. And you buy a tire cleanup. So we had partnered with uh, the Barron County Parks Department, 
And our goal was to collect used tires out of people's yards. And then we would take them to the designated site where they would then dispose of them at no cost. We picked them up at no cost. And the partnership with Bear County Parks um, allowed us to, to deliver them there with at no cost to us. So in doing so, we put, you know, an, a, a, a thing up on the marquee of the church and we had a, you know, a call number that they could call. And but John McCoy was the pant was the feet on the ground. And I would have someone call and say, hey, I've got four tires at this address. And I'd call John and John would go get them. Okay. Um, but John stepped up to the plate and um, recruited a couple of neighbors, a couple of little kids in the neighborhoods. And they would ride around with the trailer hooked up to the Polaris or the, or the tractor or whatever. And collect these tires. And we ended up collecting almost 600 tires. So so John just randomly knocked on neighbors' doors? No. Nope. Everybody knew we were doing a tire cleanup. And so we designated a spot that they could take them to, which was a, a local uh, empty lot that was there in the neighborhood. And they could take them there. But then John took it one step further Got a couple neighbors involved. They started lacing trailers. Got in touch with a couple more neighbors who then provided vehicles that would pull those trailers out of there. And they they did it. They were they were hands and feet. Um, that was it. Was amazing to see the community come together to do that. Basically, she went on to tell me when I asked for an example of of this spontaneous leadership that she was talking about, RJ. She goes on to tell me the story about a uh, tire cleanup event that they did. Um, who knew that that was something uh, that the community in Heights needed, but apparently people have used tires sitting around um, and disposing of them is apparently kind of costly. So they decided to do a tire cleanup event. Well, it, it wasn't working out the way they wanted it to, so someone just took the initiative, um, gathered a couple vehicles, a couple people, and they collected 600 tires. I'm speechless over here. Like, that's huge. Huge. I mean, I... I was I was pretty amazed as I listened to this story. Um, I, I was amazed at at number one that and the project itself, but then the results were incredible. You're right; that is not a very big neighborhood, but 600 tires, and apparently there's another one coming again, another uh, a follow up event to do the exact same thing. But um, someone just took the initiative and mobilized neighbors and and turned it into a an overwhelming success. So. Wow. Because um, even when we think about Ben Heights, as I stated before, it's a community that's kind of far away from everything that is in Ben Harbor. So you have to pull your resources together. You have to rely on your neighbor to get things done. And time and time again, Ben Heights has shown us that it's really about communication and not talking about it, but being about it, like executing the plan. Wow. I think, I, I think in Don's interview, again, she talked on, she talked a lot about the community development council um, or the CDC. And, and it's that group that I was telling you about. It's just this group of people that live in the community. Um, and there's, I, I believe there's seven people on this council. And what they do is they either leverage existing uh, resources in Heights or uh, develop new resources, bring in new resources. And this group has been just vital. Um, it's, it's the voice of the community in a lot of ways with, with outside entities and, and other groups that, that want to do any sort of work in Heights. And so this was birthed from the CDC. The CDC has done things like um, 
they, they constantly do surveys, uh, questionnaires where they let the community tell them what they need. They then take this data and present it or, or use it to come up with things like a tire cleanup. That's where this idea came from. It didn't come from the CDC. It came from the survey that the people in Heights did that then turned into the CDC. And again, so, so when I go back to Carrie's uh, description of leadership, she said it's about communication. Um, but she talked about it being about listening, not just talking. Oftentimes, you know, as a leader, um, you're used to doing the talking. Yeah. But they're saying, no, no, enough of that, that we've, we've tried that. And, and sure, there's a place for that. But a leader should listen. And I think oh. it's so huge. Listen first and then talk. And in that order, like Carrie, in, in her interview, if I, don't, if I remember correctly, she said to me, it's about listening first and then, and then speaking. And I thought, wow, um, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty incredible. So also in another one of your interviews, um, it was with Melanie. And she talks about the same thing, especially when it comes to influence. Um, she talks about you listening first, the same thing, and and how this was. And you even talked about how in your notes, how this was an aha moment for you with Melanie, um, especially when we're talking about influence. We're talking about leadership. We're talking about power, just how they all work together. But can we hear a little bit more about Melanie's story? Because we haven't heard from Melanie yet. But I want to know more about that, especially when it comes to influence, because when you are an influencer, because, you know, we're influencers ourselves, we have to listen to sure. what the people need. Sure. So here it goes. Um, I find that influence happens when um, you're willing to listen to somebody else. Um, maybe um, not necessarily come in and take over, but be willing to um, give other people a chance to speak. Um, I have found that a lot of times in this particular community, um, a lot of people don't feel like they get heard or get, get a chance to speak. And so um, part of being a positive influence and influencing others in this community is being willing to let them speak, let them have a chance to um, have hope, have a chance to be, um, that there's there's possibilities out there for us. Um, so you think there's, so just, yeah. just um, so you're saying that there's a component of influence in this community is, is about um, listening and engaging in that Absolutely. There's, I mean, I've, I've worked in the school systems, and there's just a lot of, uh, I guess, it's just hard. Um, I feel like I feel like we've had a lot of people come in and try to uh, help, but it's helping in the way that they think it should be done, not letting, not letting uh, the people, us who live here have a say in what's happening. So. so as a result, in this example that you're yeah. telling me, in the story that you're telling, would you say that that has hindered their ability to influence? Absolutely. Mm. And so I think those who are influencers in this community, I feel may be more... Um, so when I think of people with, of influence in this community, it's the people who haven't... Wow. She puts this great emphasis on listening, right? She said, the people who have had the most influence are the people that come in and listen. Yeah. Wow. And, wow. And I think, I think um, again, influencers, leaders, I automatically, and, you know, I, this shouldn't be so eye-opening. It shouldn't be such an aha moment for me, but, but I have to admit it was. Um, she was adamant. She, she didn't even think about it. She was quick to say, oh, influence? Yeah, it's about listening. Um, and I just thought, wow, normally, typically, we think influencers, we think about people who are on social media, right? They're, they're talking. They're not really listening. Uh, yeah. We think about leadership. 
we, we think about people that, that swing that kind of uh, influence and, and they're saying, the community's saying, no, like that, that's not going to work here. Um, just thought that was really powerful. Um, there's one thing that I do want to point out when it comes to Ben Heights that some people are probably not aware of. And even growing up, my friends are like, what? Um, even though Ben Heights is a part of Ben Harbor, they're not, they're also a very special place because they're not actually a part of Ben Harbor politics. So they're not able to vote for mayor. So it's like, it's even more emphasis on finding that influence, that leadership, that voice of power within that community. So that's why another reason why the CDC is so important. Um, I want you to talk a little bit um, about how the CDC, and I know Carrie talks a little bit about it in one of, um, she gives an example of leadership and she tells you more about the CDC. But I'm really curious to hear about that because especially being, it's almost like they're off in their own little world, but they're getting stuff done. And it's like, how is that happening? Right. Um, and, and just to your point, yeah, let's, I, I think that's a, that's a, we should listen to her description of the CDC. Um, you know, the fact that Heights has been shut out of politics, it, it may explain a little bit about, it kind of just clicked to me. Some of the interviews, especially in Don's interview, she talked about uh, leadership as not always something that is, official. In other words, it's not something that's always um, ascribed to somebody, but rather leaders, sometimes leadership is more organic and not necessarily official. So whether you're elected in an election or whether you're elected by your peers more organically, she talked about it that way. And, and, and there is this level of disenchantment, I would say, with, with elected officials out at Heights um, for many reasons. But Here's uh, Carrie's description of, of the CDC. Here in the broader community, for, in, in other words, through, for here in Benton Heights, so mm -hmm. zooming out a little bit. Um, so I think for our community council group, um, I think, you know, specifically we have a group of people here in our community that, you know, we get together and we um, discuss the needs in the community and we work with people that actually live in the community to find out, you know, what is it that, you know, we could do to help them? What resources do they have that, you know, we can um, use to then further, um, you know, further uh, programs and things in the community that, you know, we may be able to get them involved in um, and building those relationships with people in the community so that we can try to grow and um, make a positive impact for everyone that lives here. So, so, so could you define more clearly what the CDC is, the, yeah. the community council that you're talking about? Yep. So um, the community council was um, put together um, of members of the community. Um, so I believe there's seven of us um, right now that are on the, the council that live in this neighborhood. Um, and so we were put together in order to um, figure out what the needs are in the community, what are our assets that we have, and how can we develop them and grow them, um, and how can we then use those assets to develop the community um, and to make a positive impact you know, on the lives of everyone that lives here. So, so who makes up this council? Uh, people that live in the community, um, and then also our pastor, which is you. Okay. So, yep. So... People that live in in Benton Heights. In Benton Heights. Yep. So, so this this community council isn't just one person making decisions. No. Yep. Okay. So there it is. Um, I don't live in Benton Heights, but I do live in Benton Harbor. Um, but I I uh, am, was asked to be. I was honored to be asked to be part of this council, um, being that I'm the pastor of the really the only active church, I'd say, in Heights. Um, you know, we're, we're really well invested there. So uh, our facility, our campus is used for various, uh, for various projects that the CDC does. We, we oftentimes, you know, they'll use our facilities for anything they want to do. Um, they have community dinners, or they did before COVID. 
but they have these community <laughs> dinners on Monday where all the neighbors would get invited for a free meal and let's talk about, you know, what we need out here. And, and um, I just think it's such, I, I, I just think it's such an awesome concept. Um, it's a brilliant concept, really. It's the community uh, fully represented in this group and, and taking, taking the initiative when it comes at, as leaders and, and really wielding influence in an organic, I think, fashion. So I know that Don talked a little bit about um, the CDC in her responses as well, and how, um, and as you stated before, that it's that leadership and influence isn't just, is not always found in the individual. It's not. And how that group is more. I think a driving force for so much change out there. But, um, and Dawn talks, I mean, Dawn talks about a lot. I mean, all three of them do, but Dawn, it's like, so it's like almost you want to play their interviews in the entirety. Like it's so much good stuff there. You should have brought her instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> she would have been great. No, we just, we appreciate the work that you've done. So we definitely wanted to hear how your connection is to Ben Heights and um, what what's actually going on out there. But I do want to say that Dawn talks about power. She talks about power and how it's found in unity and not one person and more about educating people and bringing them together and bringing resources. So can we talk a little bit about that? Sure, let's, let's let her talk about it. Okay. Our power comes from being, standing together. Um, Unity. Yep, I don't think there's um, no one person that holds all the power. But I, 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 I cannot and will not um, accept that motto. I won't accept the motto that one person's in charge of making everything happen. At one, that one person is just going to be completely burnt out and be a nervous wreck and not going to be able to accomplish anything. So it's useless to even think that there's that, you know, no one person, no human on this earth is able to do that. And if they think they can, they're fooling themselves. At least not crash. out in the community. <laughs> they're going to crash. So um, I don't think there's, I think our power comes within um, the education and the uniting of our community. Um, the education. I think that um, re the resources, bringing the resources to the community is the most powerful tool that we have. And, and that's ranging from educational, nutrition, health, everything, all of those rounded together creates health, healthy people, healthy mind, body, and spirit. And so so the, what it has to be. the power to do it is, is in numbers? Is that, yes. is that kind of Absolutely. Weird? Hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, and it, it may only be two people this month, but those two people may tell two more people. And next month, there may be eight people. And next month, there may be 20 people. But numbers are in power because you have to, you have to let one person know. And I think I think we're just obligated to do that. We're obligated to spread what we know. So I see a, I see a theme here and I just kind of want to point it out because I think it's fascinating. And that's that you talked about power. You talk about power as a number. When you talk to, they come in number, it's in numbers, it's in unity. When you talked about influence, you didn't talk about it as, as you talked about the power of influence also in numbers in community. And then you said the exact same thing when it comes to leadership. You talked about leadership as a, as kind of a communal um, thing. I just, I just think that that's, 
there's that's the kind of the common thread I see in in how how you describe these things. So, um, yeah, that at the end there was kind of commentary on my part, um, but I just found it that fascinating, right? Um, that she talks about these things, RJ, and as she talks about these as numbers, she doesn't place an emphasis on the individual when she's talking about power, influence, a leadership. She just insisted, even though if you ask people out in that community uh, who the leaders out there are, she's one of the names that comes up quick. People just, yeah. but, but she doesn't see it that way. She thinks there's more power in numbers and unity. Um, and I don't think that she's wrong. I agree. I absolutely agree. Now, I do want to touch on um, something that Carrie said in her interview when it comes to the walls and barriers and um, that leaders face in Ben Heights. Like, not to always paint this picture of, like, it's always been great. We've always worked together. But how did they even get to the CDC? Like, how did they end up partnering with First Church, just all of that, because it's, it's obvious that even in the past and just with the history of Ben Heights, there has been some changes, a lot of changes. And when we look around, it's so much has changed and it's just like, who do you trust? Was there broken trust? And I know Carrie talks a little bit about that um, in her interview. And can you... Um, just tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, and, and if I if if I may backtrack just a bit, I think <laughs> something that that Don and express and I, and I want to say also Melanie expressed this in their interviews was so we talk about this concept of leadership and power being found in unity and numbers. One thing that I think was fascinating that they said to me is, you may have influence and power as an individual. But some people will never have that individually, but everyone can have that collectively. Yeah. So if I'm just, you know, if I'm just, you know, um, Jaime who lives out in Heights and I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get by and I'm just a member of the community, but I don't maybe have any sort of title, any sort of, I, you know, I only got two followers on Instagram, whatever it is. <laughs> I may never individually wield influence and power, or maybe be a leadership in any capacity, but I have access to those things if I do it in, in, in this group setting. And so that makes their feeling was we all have power in unity. Yeah. We don't all have it individually. And I thought, man, that just blew me away. Um, I thought that was really powerful, but to your point in, in Carrie's interview, I, we talked a little bit about, about, uh, you know, broken trust entities that have come from the outside. And we talked a little bit about some of the walls and barriers that leaders face coming into Heights. And, and this is what she had to say. You just said something I want to, I want to kind of dig into a little bit more. You talked about these walls that mm -hmm. exist. So, so as a leader, um, what are those walls look like here in Heights? Uh, what, what kind of walls is, are, are we up against when we're trying to, um, when we're trying to do that relational piece that you talked about, what can be some of those walls that you've seen in this neighborhood? Yeah, I think some of it is just the trust piece that we talked about earlier is that, you know, they've had people that may have come into their life that have, you know, said that they were going to help them. And then, um, they haven't, they either haven't helped them or they helped them and then left, um, you know, or when they needed them most, they weren't there. Um, and so, it's important to make sure that we are consistent and, you know, making sure that if we say we're going to do something, we do it. And so, because, and by doing that, we build that relationship and, you know, we can break down the walls that they have built up because they've just been rejected and, you know, people haven't followed through and, um, you know, they haven't seen the results, I guess. So I, I think that's a really short clip, but there's so much in there, RJ. Um, you know heights better than I do, um, but we know that that systems and and entities have have really failed 
um, that neighborhood have really failed the city of Benton Harbor in, in many instances and, and trust has been broken. And one thing that, that one of the people I interviewed said to me was, look, even when people have come in and done good things, they'll complete a project and then they pack up and leave. And, and a lot of times the thought is like, Oh yeah. What happened to them? You know, they did a good thing. They followed through and, but they didn't stay. There was no lasting power on mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And, and as Carrie mentioned, there are other people or entities who have come in over promised and under delivered. And so they come in with this lofty goal, right? Like we're going to fix your life or whatever the goal is. <laughs> and, and then what happens is it creates this expectation and expectations oftentimes are just, you know, a resentment waiting to happen um, when it's not met. And so trust is broken. People, people don't do what they say they're, they're going to do. Um, and that leaves a really bad taste in people's mouths. And so um, they just talked about how important it is to be invested in the community, not necessarily be perfect. Uh, they all, cause I, I did ask that of one of the, in one of my interviews, I'm like, well, that gives, that's, that's a lot to expect everyone to come through on everything. And they said, no, that's not it. What we expect is, is, uh, you know, if you stay and, and see it through, if you stay here and, and we see that you're here long-term, then, then we can work with that, that, that will help us to trust you, but we can't trust you if you just, you know, if you're only here for five minutes or, yeah. or whatever, um, and I thought that was really powerful. Mm. Yeah. So, so like I, I often use this analogy when I talk about trust. Um, oftentimes, trust is this very it's it's this very fragile thing, right? Um, it can take years to build. It's like a house. I have like if I you know if you and I were going to build a house, if we knew how to build a house, but if you and I were going to build one, it could take us months, if not years, to build. We can burn that house down in about 10 minutes with some gasoline and a match. And yeah. that's, that's the way trust is. And for a community that has seen nothing but, but burned trust, that that's going to be a huge barrier for anyone who's with any, you know, who's, who wants to, to be influential or, or assume any sort of leadership in that community. Like that's what you're up against for better or for worse. Wow, that is so true. Oh my goodness, that's so true. Um, wow, wow. So, so uh, yeah. So, look, in the case of of First Church, um, the church has been there for almost ten years now, mm -hmm. and you know, I've only been a part of it for a year and a half, but I know the history a little bit, especially because here's a, here's the awesome part about, about the people in Heights. They will tell you they they want to tell their stories, RJ. If, if you'll listen, they will tell you their story. They will, you will learn so much just from spending time with, with them. And one of the things that they've said that I've heard over and over before even this project, uh, just in the time I've been here is pastor, this church has made a ton of mistakes. But, but we know you're invested because you, you've built this building here and we know you're here to stay. So, so we'll cut you a little bit of slack kind of thing. Um, but, but I hear that all the time. Whew. Um, man, those relationships are so important. That open line of communication so important. Um, the follow through, so important. Um, I do want to talk about, um, man, it, whew, it's like, where do you, we could be, we can, we can honestly sit here and talk about these stories for hours and hours and hours. Cause it's so much good stuff. Um, but Melanie and Carrie, um, I know for sure. I wanted to, to also talk about um, who inspires you? And I know that was one of the questions for, for Carrie. And I also wanted you to answer that as well. Like when it comes to the Heights, like who inspires you? I'm, I'm guessing it's, 
it's not just the three that you interview right here, but it's more than that. It's 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 probably the the whole CDC or just the community as a whole, just of what you've seen over the almost two years that you've been there. And but I really want to share the story of overcoming those barriers um, and just the hope for the greater community. And I know Carrie talks a little bit about that. Carrie told an awesome story. Uh, Who inspires you in this community and tell me why? Tell me about them and tell me what about them uh, inspires you. Yeah, so I would, um, I have a neighbor. Do I give her name or? First name's fine. Okay. So I have a neighbor, Helen, um, who she has um, had quite a few struggles. So um, she's had um, some run-ins with the law. Um, and so when we first met her, she was actually had a warrant out for arrest. And she was trying to deal with that whole situation and um, trying to figure out how she can resolve things and then she was able to resolve that and then um the father of her son ended up going to prison and so then it was just her and her son um you know being a single mom and so she but through all of that um she's been so positive i mean she's always had her focus on what was most important and that was her children and making sure that she provided for them. And so, um, you know, she worked to make sure that she got everything resolved. And, you know, now she's got a place, you know, that she's living in with her son. Um, she's got a really good job now. And, like, she's able to support her family. And um, But, like I said, through all that, she was such a positive, you know, she had such a positive spirit. Um, and you know, she showed that even though you are, you know, have maybe, you know, bad circumstances, doesn't have to, it doesn't have to, um, you know, tear you down and you can work your way back to, you know, some resemblance of, you know, like a normal life and, you know, you can provide for your family and, um, you know, get back into society and, now you would never know. So, so, so when you, when we talk about her story as being inspirational to you, mm-hmm. how do you see that? Um, maybe as, um, tell me what that looks like for heights. If, does that make sense? What is, what is, how would, how does that inspirational story um, inspire you when you see your community as a whole? Yeah, when well, when I think about you know other people in the community that may be going through similar situations, it's uh, important to think about um, you know that there's hope, and you know ultimately that's what we want to you know let people know that there is hope and there is a way back from whatever you've done, and nothing that you've done is it means that you're too far gone. So if you can keep a positive attitude um, and, you know, just chip away little by little, it may take you time, but it's worth it. And there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, there's, you know, she's an example of that. So, and I'm sure there's many other stories of people in the community, you know, that that same thing is, is um, you know, they can relate to, so. A lot in that story, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, RJ, I don't know about you, but when I hear that story, I think um, a couple things come to mind. Um, it took time for to 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 turn it around, and and that's and when I asked Carrie, I, I could have done a better job of phrasing the follow up question, but what I wanted to say is really like, how do we do that for all of Heights, right? How do we yeah. make that individual story the story of the that community, the story of Ben Harbor, how do we take that to scale, really? Um, and and and, the, and then there's so much power in stories, the stories we've been listening to today, yeah. um, the story that this woman that, that inspires Carrie, uh, the story of her life, like, we got to tell those stories. Yeah. Um, that story needs to be told and it needs to be heard. Um, and, and 
how do we package that, right? How do I put that in a can and get it to all the neighbors? Yeah. Out at Heights. Um, so my question to you, how has collecting these stories and even being, even being a part of this project um, impacted you? On a personal level, um, I think it, it really, it just reminds me of how important stories are and collecting them, um, hearing them. Uh, and it, it is just, I think, I think I feel like to be intentional, I need to be consistent and I need to, to actively be seeking out, um, the people in Heights and hearing their stories. If I, like as, as a pastor at first church, I, I am in an official leadership capacity and, so I'm kind of starting from the official end, but I also, but I also recognize that things like trust and, and things like influence and leadership, these things, relationships take time to build. And so for me to be able to lead uh, more effectively, um, I need to be walking alongside people, not in front of them, uh, not above them, but alongside and become a better listener than I am a talker. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think I, I need to work on that. Uh, that's that's really what impacted me. I, I I heard that consistently. What what they were saying to me is, we need you to listen. Mm -hmm. We need all of you to listen. It, outside entities, whoever you are, if you want to come in this community, we need you to listen. Mm -hmm. And that is what I'm going to really take uh, from from these powerful stories. So I'm I'm really grateful. Mm -hmm. That is so good. And that is perfect way to wrap up our session today. So we thank you um, for the work that you're doing in Ben Heights and even beyond, Pastor Jaime. And we are just looking forward to just more partnerships and more unity and just seeing what Ben Heights and Ben Harbor is going to do. And because I feel like it's, we're going in the right direction. I really feel I agree. Like we're going in the right direction. I agree. I agree. It's going to take a lot of collaboration, but um, I think I feel good about it. I'm really excited about what's ahead. So thank All you for right. having me. Thank you. So we will talk to you guys next time. We're in this series. We're talking about stories out of Ben Harbor and we're excited and we're excited. So we'll see you next time. Bye. And that concludes the latest episode in this series for the Please Do Tell podcast entitled Everyday People of the 49022. Man, Pastor Jaime gave us a great overview, especially of the conversations that he had with some great people in Ben Heights. And gosh, definitely taking notes of how can we expand that work in Ben Heights, in Ben Harbor, and beyond because... Um, they are the example of doing some good in your hood. So next week, we're going to talk with one of my classmates and a family friend, Larry, about the same topic, because this series is all about the people and their take on influence, power, and leadership in the 49022. So we will see you next week.